Frank, what's going on? How are you doing, Frank? Uh, busy day at work, annoying day at work, horrible day at work. <laughs> uh, you at least had the deadline to help get you through it today. Yep. Frank, are you a Rangers or Islanders fan? Devils. Devils fan, okay. I went to the Elias retirement uh, the other day. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I went. I also was there when he uh, put up uh, retired Marty's number. Oh, Marty. I'll keep my Marty opinions to myself. The best goalie ever. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the best goalie ever. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. War. Ah, this guy. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. RBIs is the most important. Slugging percentage and OPS. Wins and losses and ERA. But don't come around with that wins over replacement because I say war. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Yeah! What's up, Tanks Army? Welcome to episode 23 of Allow Me to Be Frank. Uh, Before we get to today's guest, I just want to give a huge shout out to you guys for helping us get into the top 200 sports podcasts on iTunes. Uh, Even if it was just for a night, it was cool to see. Uh, So just a reminder, one of the best ways you can help support Frank these days is to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Please, please, please keep them coming and we'll hopefully get right back into the top 200. Yep. Let's let's try to go after Rappaport. We need to get (laughs) we're going after you, Rappaport. Yeah, before that day, we were right by we were right behind Crap Report before he really shot up the rankings, which I, I don't even know how what iTunes does. I know like they factor in like how recently you got ratings and reviews, but aside from that, it, it's like a we fell out within like a day. Yeah, I guess it's that day or so. Who knows? Uh, today we have a special episode. Pete Blackburn of CBS Sports is with us. And Pete, the last time Story and I talked to you was over the summer. You weren't yet employed by P- CBS, but now you are. And I want to know, what was the best part of covering the Olympics the past couple weeks? Uh, honestly, the, my schedule, my schedule was great. I, uh, I know that obviously it being in South Korea doesn't really translate great for, you know, casual viewers here. And I think mm-hmm. probably most people were at work or, you know, didn't get to catch a lot of the games, but the way that my schedule worked out, I was, uh, I was on dueling seven to 12 shifts. So I'd do seven, uh, to noon and then I'd be back on for like seven to midnight, which was great. Frank, were you able to watch a lot of the Olympics? Ah, uh, here and there, I watched it. Uh, I mean, it was mainly a letdown. I mean, the, the, we we didn't do anything in speed skating this year. Uh, figure skating, we were embarrassing. The, I mean, you just face it. If it wasn't for the curling, the men's, the uh, women's hockey, and some snowboarders. We would have been in disaster. We would have been tied down here with Luxembourg. 
You say a letdown in just like a pure entertainment value or a letdown how the Americans performed? How the Americans performed. Oh, okay. Pete, what do you think? I I mean, obviously I was disappointed as a hockey fan the way that the, the men's tournament shook out. But I mean, I, I had a lot of fun watching the women play. Uh, I still think that uh, USA and Canada women's is like the best hockey rivalry going at the Olympics in both the men's and women's tourney. So uh, I had fun. I mean, I think the best part of the Olympics in both summer and winter is just like the it's the best bar thing ever. Like if you just go to a bar with friends, they always have all the Olympics playing at, at every hour. And it's always like this weird event that you would never watch in any of four years. So uh, that's my favorite thing about the Olympics. Oh, do I want to, I want them to uh, add? We need more uh, curling. We need a professional curling league. More curling? Oh, like in the yes. states, you're saying? Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. We're I mean, I guess nation. we're right up there. So, we're a curling nation now, so it's there. That's the only option. We, for those few straight days there, we really took it to Canada. I think between I'd read between curling and. Uh, women's hockey, they had won like, I don't know, seven of the last 10, like possible golds. Uh, so to take both them away from them was, uh, was a good feeling for America. It was and a bizarre then, uh, thing to wake up on a, on a Sunday morning and, uh, just get like a bunch. I had a bunch of Snapchats and I just opened them and it was my friends at the bar at like two o'clock in the morning. And, and curling was on every TV, and the entire bar was screaming, uh, like chanting USA with curling on TV. So that was that was kind of amazing. I love that shot, that that five point shot. That was, <laughs> I mean, just just the reactions and the facial reactions. That one guy from Sweden, all you see is him go. Ugh. Curling's had this run now, and I don't. Maybe this is just me getting older as well, but. It kind of feels like it's had this run of the past, you know, several Olympic games where it was this huge joke. And now it's become such of a joke that people are actually like kind of getting into a bit, like Frank said. I think the way that it works for everybody is that they like turn on curling and they're like, what the hell is this? It's this basically like bocce on ice yeah. and they, they judge it immediately. And if you stick with it long enough in like 10, 15 minutes, you're like enthralled with the sport and you're just completely invested in it. So it's uh, it, don't judge. Don't judge a book by its cover when you when it comes to curling. I mean, with all the uh, golf we get in the summer, why can't a uh, a national curling league? work in the winter fair enough i think with curling too one of the things about it is like you said p like you turn it on and if it's one of your first times watching it curling is something we can all envision ourselves doing right whereas some are like this figure skating like just no chance in hell type thing uh but curling like you you have a few you have enough drinks and you you can talk yourself into you're gonna get to the next olympic games for it and curling is a sport which you could actually play and drink yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it also doesn't help that I that, like the the athletes wear like hats and they're kind of like a, some of them are out of shape. But it's like it's like an everyman sport. It's great. And I think that's why I think that's why we need a new need a curling league. Yeah. Uh, how did you, Frank, did you I think it might have been that you that was tweeting about it, about how Delta didn't didn't send the the national team home after the gold. How dare they? Yeah, they uh, they said that they had to stay uh, they had to stay in cramped class. <laughs> you know, they had to put their legs on top of their head. Did you see that, Pete? 
No. The I guess the men's curling team tweeted at Delta or slid into their DMs asking like, "Hey, we're heading home now. Any chance we could get an upgrade after winning gold?" And Delta, Delta kindly was like, "Congrats, but no." Yeah, that sounds like Delta to me. <laughs> Delta, we hate our customers, and it shows. <laughs> I think. Judging from just uh, how many people are currently tweeting about this perspective, I would say the most popular event was was the women's hockey final, like you talked about. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, it's it it certainly helps that the USA won gold. I mean, obviously, but uh, yeah, no, I think that that the women's hockey was always going to get kind of. Uh, uh, some additional play this year because of the NHL guys not going still best out of best, uh, for women. And I think that, you know, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion almost every year that the, that USA and Canada is going to meet in the final. So, uh, and, and you, you get, you saw how they played in the prelim. You saw how they played in the gold medal game. You get the feeling that these teams played each other 10 times. One team would win five. The other team would win five. It's that very close. possible. Yeah. And, it's also very possible that none of them would be alive by the end of the 10th game because they hate each other so goddamn much. It's so much fun to watch. Pete, what's your stance on NHL players not being represented this year? Uh, I mean, I, I hate it for, for the Olympics and I hate it for the sport. I mean, I understand why they didn't, why they didn't send them in terms of the business decision part of it. But I mean, it, if you're trying to grow the sport and they're definitely trying to do that and you're trying to increase its kind of global awareness of hockey, not sending the best players and the best representatives of the sport to the Olympics to compete on the world stage uh, is, it's, I mean, it's a bad look and, and it, it stinks for all the fans and, and it uh, stinks for the players. And it's because, and uh, Gary Bettman, of course, he, he honestly, he, I, I, there's sometimes it really looks like he's trying to sabotage the NHL. And I mean, it really is. Sometimes it looks like he's trying to sabotage the entire sport of hockey. He's going to go back to the NBA at the end of the day and say, I did it. Job well done. I mean, I mean, when he does, and he comes up with this World Cup of hockey. Okay, that would be good. One. I, I enjoyed the World Cup of hockey. Like, I, I enjoyed it, uh, but I didn't kind of know that, like, all right, this is maybe a contingency plan for if the NHL doesn't go to the Olympics. One, they're doing it in September, which I – it's like the uh, World Baseball Classic, which I didn't like. So you have the, the World Cup of Hockey. They're competing for the Gary Cup. I mean, that's <laughs> what they should call it. They should, they should call it the Gary Cup. And what bothers me is this. Okay, you had Canada. You had the United States. You had Russia. Sweden, Finland, and Team North America and Europe. <laughs> don't don't talk down on Team North America. That was the best part of the World Cup this year. That was that was incredible. I love Team North America. I mean, I mean, what, if they, if they, if those teams win, what do they play for? What do they play for uh, Team North America? Na 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 North America, or <laughs> and for the, and for the Europe for the one. And played the final countdown. <laughs> I, I mean, Europe made it. I think. Uh, I don't forget. Yeah, they made it to. The, they made it to. The, they lost the, uh, the final round to Canada, and so Europe almost won. Yeah, that I was mean, wild. It, <sighs> you didn't like the World Baseball Classic this year? I thought the World Baseball Classic this year or last year was like the best baseball that I've seen in a long time. 
Yeah, that's one of Frank's worst takes. I just think it just I think it takes away from spring training, and like five Mets got hurt in the World Baseball Classic. So I think it was I think it set the stage for the Mets' disastrous season last year. So yeah, I don't like the World Cup. The World. Listen, uh, if if all classic. your baseball takes hinge on the Mets, you should just hate baseball in general. <laughs> <laughs> I Pete mean, was. I mean, Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo is great for Puerto Rico. And then loses the championship game to uh, the United States. All of a sudden, that, that, then he can't pitch until Memorial Day. For, I mean, for, it, is, for, it, is, uh, it is a little risky to, to, to send those guys out there before the season starts. And, and I mean, they, that's, they're doing that's that with point. Right. That's and they're doing that with the World Cup as well. Um, but I mean, for the World amazing. Baseball Classic, it was so good this past year that that they're going to start getting better players for the next time around. Me, uh, I, think, I think they should play the World Baseball Classic. Starting two weeks after the World Series ends, but at that point, all, everybody's trying to go home. Yeah, but yeah, they're, that, they're burnt out. At that point, though, it's only the players that are in the World Series that are burnt out, and it's of forty-eight players. What you also would have, though, is you, this is when players start going the uh, in the minor league systems. They would go to the Caribbean League teams. So this is not like a unusual time for them. Then they have a whole winter to recover, and then they get a normal spring training. The thing I don't like about the World Baseball Classic is I think it distracts from spring training and getting teams ready. See, spring training is not for hitters. You could put a, a hitter only needs two weeks of spring training. A pitcher though needs all six weeks, and he needs to be brought around gradually. To where he could pitch on opening day, and I think the World Baseball Classic just jacks that up so much that it really hurts pitchers at the most. Fair points, Pete. Was there a sport in following these Winter Olympics that you didn't really know a lot about, but you ended up enjoying more than more than you thought you would? Um, I think just in terms of of you know getting enjoyment out of watching it. I, I never really had a, a full appreciation of, of skiing uh, up until I kind of saw the the downhill stuff this year. Like it's insane the lower body strength that it must take for some of those downhill skiers to. I mean, like they were basically fully horizontal and, and going into turns and stuff. Like it was it was something that I I had never seen at like the highest level and never had like a full appreciation for it. So uh, that was one that stuck out to me at the Winter Olympics this year. The slaloms, the slaloms, those are. I, or the I don't moguls. Know do I don't know. I don't know how anybody does moguls without blowing out both their knees on the way down the hill every time. It's insane. Uh, uh, I was, I was going to say the downhill skiing, uh, especially when they're going off the jumps, and like you said, the moguls scares the shit out of me. I've torn both my ACLs, so just like any time I see like a cut with a knee or someone land on it, like it freaks me out. Um, but yeah, I'd much rather be snowboarding and have my my two legs together. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, and the uh, what about the men's hockey tournament though, at the end, where where the team that shall not be named won? Ah, uh, it's the uh, for me, it was a perfect. I said it right from the beginning. It's that's a perfect punchline uh, for the joke of the tournament that was this year. I mean, you have Russia finally win it, and they don't even get to claim the gold because they're competing as Olympic athletes of Russia. But 
I mean, did, it is. Did you know? Did the, you notice the national at the uh, the uh, the medal ceremony? No. Now they play the uh, Olympic hymn. Oh the really? Olympic rings. The Olympic rings being risen, That's and amazing. there were a lot of Russians in the crowd. And it started with the players. They sung the, the Russians on the podium sung their national anthem. Sounds about right. Um, I yeah, mean, I mean, it, it's just like I it's, mean, it was it was a ridiculous punishment. I mean, okay, so they can't march under their flag. It's still Russia, right? There are still mean, two. Uh, there are still two Russians that got, got, got caught doping. So there's still doping, <laughs> including uh, including someone who uh, wore a shirt I don't dope, and he uh, yeah, she doped. She was <laughs> she was a doper. Uh, you, uh, I mean, they had a curler. They had someone in curling, doping, curling. <laughs> I know. I just, I just think it's, I think it's hilarious that that like Russia's been waiting so long for uh, an Olympic gold uh, in hockey, and then when they finally get it, they don't even like technically get to claim it. They're not wearing their uniforms. They're, it's in the, so many asterisks. They're the team from Russia that's not Russia because they can't represent Russia because the Russia's under double secret probation. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 it's like the NCAA with their. With their punishments, uh, I mean, right, it's, uh, it's like stripping national titles. It's like well, that is the you that is the dumbest them, but thing. We still want it. That is the dumbest thing. There, there should be a law: no vacating titles. I mean, seriously. Okay, Louisville won a national title. They had players there. Punish them now. They can't go to the NCAA tournament for five years. I mean, what are you going to do about it? Everyone knows they won that year. It was vacated. They put vacated on there, but all their fans still celebrated it. Right. Louisville still will claim, yeah, we won the 2013 national championship. We can't officially say it, but we won it. I mean, what are they going to have? Uh, will Smith come out there with that flashy thing and go, bing, and have it. Okay, that, there it is. The 2013 national championship is now officially gone. They're going to have everyone looking at, look at the men in black with that uh, memory race thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good idea. Don't give many ideas. The NCAA. Uh, morally bankrupt, they might uh, they might go ahead and take that advice. <laughs> yeah, NCAA, what a joke! I mean, <laughs> I mean, right now, twenty teams. It, I mean, it really looks like the excrement is going to hit the fan right now. More, I mean, more, more morally bankrupt uh, organization, the NCAA or the uh, the International Olympic Committee. It's close, but I think I think the NCAA might have him beat this. Because the NCAA, the NCAA is, oh, you can't do that. It's a soda. You got caught. You gave him a soda. He can't play. He's ineligible. Meanwhile, but but the Olympic the Committee like actually like uh, enables these countries to like literally kill people in the making of the ceremonies and stuff, <laughs> and the the arenas and and all that. So. Uh, it's definitely a toss-up. Well, that's because they don't want to put it in America. They want—they always want to put it in these like these countries where they don't exactly have the greatest uh, human rights records. Right. I—I I mean, I mean, China, China, China. If someone falls off a scaffolding, it's okay. Sweep him aside, throw him in the throw him in a pile with the others. I mean, if someone falls off a scaffolding in the United States, they stop construction for three weeks. Twitter talks about it for for eight weeks on end. So yeah, they'll have like a memorial patch for him. I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember in uh, when you're building Miller Park, 
there was a, a, a crane collapse and like several people died. And it delayed the opening of Miller Park for an entire season. It was Miller Park was originally supposed to open up in 2000 and end up opening in 2001. Wow. I mean, we, I mean, we, we I mean, we had, we, we, I mean, it happens. <laughs> Mistakes happen. Accidents happen. I mean, you have people right. hanging on girders and cranes. You're going to have accidents happen. The only difference is, is when it's in these countries like Brazil or China or, they just don't care. It's just okay. Sweep them aside. Uh, I think looking ahead too. So the next Olympic twenty twenty is in Tokyo, correct? Yeah, in the summer. Next and summer Olympics in Tokyo. Yeah, I think that uh, I think the summer is going to get a lot of buzz next because they're adding there. So there's going to be three on three basketball and skateboarding, and you combine that with some. Uh, you know what's already going on with swimming and, and track. baseball's coming back. I think. Yeah, it is. Baseball, baseball and softball, softball, I believe. So, yeah. so I think when when we do get there to 2020, there'll be also just because it's the summer. I think there'll be a lot more buzz for it. You know, you know, the thing is, the Winter Olympics are 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 are, are different. They're intimate. There's fewer events. Get to know the athletes a little bit more. Summer, there's just a ton of stuff going on. Right. It's crazy, but it's more exciting, I think. Yes, it's crazy and more exciting, and there's so much stuff going on. Right. I mean, the, I and like there are a lot more events. I feel like in the Summer Olympics that lend themselves to having stars. Like uh, a lot of these stars in in the Winter Olympics, like they're skeletons. Like they're behind masks. They're snowboarding. They're behind goggles and and helmets and stuff. Like you I get mean, up close and personal with a lot of a lot of the athletes. I mean, you got the, the you got the swimmers in their tight little skin tight outfits there and <laughs> going to the pool. Big speedo guy here. Uh, but no, I, 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 I do agree with you that there's, there's, uh, I mean, there's just more events in the summer and it's kind of, uh, it's, it's easier to watch. I feel like I, I, and, and like I said, and we always do better. The United States always does better in the summer anyway. I mean, like I said, I mean, figure skating this year was a real letdown. I mean, Nathan Chan fell, Nathan Chan fell right on his ass. I mean, he was supposed to be our, he was supposed to be our vanguard, our, our, our metal hope. I mean, the women we had, I mean, they, none of them were contenders. Who care, Who cares about pairs figure skating? I mean, it was a little creepy watching the brother and sister skate to bronze. I mean, I got a Donnie automatic disqualification. If you, I got it. I got it. Doing pairs. I got a Donnie and Marie vibe on here. I mean. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember Donnie and Marie, but that was kind of a weird vibe too. Yeah, you told us the other week. <laughs> okay, so we, uh, Pete, we can transition here to the NHL. And today was uh, a busy day for you, trade deadline day. Uh, what What was the biggest story that caught your eye? I mean, the biggest one, obviously, is uh, the Lightning and, and Rangers making that huge deal for McDonough and Miller. Um, that was that was a big win. I think that was a big win, honestly, for both sides. Like the two biggest winners of the day came uh, in that deal and they both won. So um, obviously the Rangers commit into the rebuild uh, and, you know, for to their credit, not only are they committing to it, they did pretty well with the, with their returns. I thought that maybe they'd 
the, the, the Miller throw in on, on that McDonough deal was interesting to me. Like that kind of skewed my opinion of it because I feel like they could have gotten more, um, had, um, you know, had, had they not her knowing, like, I feel like that return would have been good for McDonough, but then they threw in Miller and it seemed like they didn't get enough, but I, I do uh, think that it, it was close. I'll be surprised after today's deals. If the Tampa Bay Lightning does not win the Stanley Cup. I said the same thing last year with the with the Capitals when they got Shattenkirk though at the deadline. But you forget one thing. That they're the Capitals. That that's the Capitals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, Alex Ovechkin might be one of the greatest players of all time. I mean, if you look at his regular season stats, he is a phenomenal player. Alex Ovechkin is the worst player in the history of sports. The history of sports. The history of sports, and I mean the history of sports uh, when it comes to big games. You know why Russia didn't win the gold medal before? When they said the NHLers? Because Alex Ovechkin was awful in the Olympics. I mean, it's, it goes beyond the playoffs. Santa Cup playoffs. He was awful in the Olympics. I mean, when he Shoshi, when Russia was like, Russia had a very, like, like they didn't even, like, make the uh, quarterfinals, I think. They got eliminated in the quarterfinals in Sochi. They, they were, they, they, I mean, they were an epic fail at their home Olympics. And Alex Ovechkin was, like, a uh, one assist and, like, like, a minus seven. Where he's yeah, on I mean, goal for every... <laughs> you can criticize him for, for not showing up in big games. I mean, obviously, it, last year didn't go their way, and he kind of got benched in, in, uh, in that final game, so... Um, towards the end of the third period. But I mean, like he to say that he's the worst player in the history of sports for like postseason is that's a wild take. He's, he's almost a point per game player in the playoffs. I mean, how does the capitals with all that talent, not at least make a conference finals. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you. There's absolutely no excuse why that team has not made a conference final. And it's, and it's, a, and it's a legacy thing. The, the Capitals, okay, they made up the they made the Stanley Cup Finals with uh, Ole the goalie twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. But if you look at their history, their playoff history is as bad as possible. I mean, what right. is it? They've blown seven three one series leads. Yeah, I mean to to not even to not even get to a conference final, like stumble into one. The the goddamn Senators stumbled into a conference final last year, and that team was garbage. Uh, I, I, and we're seeing that this year. I, I stumbled mean, into a conference final last year. I mean, how many times? And they almost won two. They, they, right. they were game seven double overtime. Right. But how many times have the Capitals blown 3-1 series leads? I mean, it's incredible. I think that there is like – I think there's like a culture issue uh, or has been a culture issue in Washington. But I don't – I would be hesitant to put it all on Ovechkin. I think that he's uh, probably a part of it. But as soon as you snap out of that streak, it's – I mean, I'll, I'll take Ovechkin on my team if I'm uh, going to the playoffs. If he ever – I mean, I mean, he just needs – you know, he – and it's just a situation like this. If he just wins one, he'll be able to erase all of that. Right, exactly. And I think – I mean, it's – hockey's such a team sport. It's always tough to put it on one single player unless it's a goalie who completely uh, hits the bed. Uh, and they've always had and, – and they've had – and they've, uh, that's the crazy thing about the Capitals. They have one of the best goalies. They they have a good defense. And in the playoffs, it's just like 
They see, and, and especially with the Penguins come along. Oh my God. I mean, they've <laughs> lost 12 out of 13 series all time to the Penguins, something like that. Hope he wasn't I mean, that good, though, last year during the Penguin series. I mean, the, the, the Penguins, they see that, they, they see that skating penguin. It's almost like, like those old commercials. Doobie, doobie, doo. Beware the Penguins. Pete, where were you at with uh, Rick Nastry now that it's been a day? I, I mean, I, I like it. I like it for, for both sides, honestly. Like, I thought that I th- I've seen a lot of people saying that the Bruins got fleeced on that deal. And I don't they agree with it fleeced. at all. I don't they agree with that fleeced. at all. They so they upgraded in a position in need. Uh, they I, I, I don't count Spooner as much of a loss because Nash comes in and takes his spot and provides an upgrade. And Spooner wasn't going to be around beyond the season anyway. Uh, they give up Lindgren, who I think is going to be a good player, but he's a few years removed. Uh, from making the NHL, um, so I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, and they have guys behind Lingren in the system that that you know they, they have sort of a log jam of sorts uh, at defense in the pipeline. So I don't have a problem with giving up Lingren, and I don't have a problem with giving up a late first round pick either. So I, I like the move that they went out and made a splash. They're going for it this year. They're ahead of schedule. I don't think this sets them back much at all. The only problem though is. Rick Nash is having a terrible season. He's not. He he's not he's been a good playing for the Rangers. <laughs> well, like I I like I, I don't think Nash is completely washed up. I think that he's still got a lot to offer. You put him alongside Krejci. Krejci benefits from size. Uh, we saw that when he played alongside Lucic and uh, and and Horton and and, and Ginla. So um, I like the idea of having that DeBrus Krejci uh, Nash line. I think that does a lot for them, and I think that uh, Nash is a significant upgrade over Spooner, despite what the what the numbers say. Uh, but he's he got more size. Have a good uh, postseason history either. <laughs> he's not, he, he's streaky. He's streaky. Um, but I tell you, know, you one had... move I actually like though, a quiet move the Bruins made. What's that? Getting the captain, Brian Gianta. Oh man, if you want to talk about washed up, how much did you watch of him in Pyeongchang? He looks he looked terrible for for the Olympic team. I've always like I've always been a fan of Gianta, especially he, him and his brother. I've always been a fan of them. I like and, him. So like and the, Brian Gianta will signing. Brian Gianta is a, is a good like player that you you put on the fourth line. He might be able to do something every now and then. Yeah, so I, I agree with that assessment. But I think that I, even the fourth line is kind of a stretch for me at this point with Gianta. Like, I'm fine with them with them signing him to the minimum, getting him in the room, having a veteran presence. But if he cracks the lineup, then something probably went wrong. I mean, he. I mean, I, I remember him when he was at the Devils. I mean, he was always a good leader for the Devils. I think one of the other things about the Bruins going for this move now, too, is that had... Had they stood pat, then you still would have had Tampa and Pittsburgh making these moves. So it almost in a way, like like you said, Tampa's still definitely the favorite, but almost in a way where you have to keep pace with that, then then upgrading a, a spot for a guy like Nash was almost necessary. Right. I mean, they upgrade and they also take away the possibility of somebody else in the conference trading for Nash. So you prevent a team from from making that acquisition and getting better themselves. So uh, I like the move to be aggressive. I mean, again, they're ahead of schedule. Uh, this doesn't set them back. I like it. You know what I found interesting about this year's trade deadline? The weird trade partners. 
I mean, how yeah, often the Devils and the Devils and Rangers first time that they've ever dealt in franchise first time, history. First time in 35 years of history. The last time the Rangers and the Devils franchise made a trade was 1979 when the Devils were still called the Colorado Rockies. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I also another trend this year too that came back was uh for a while a couple teams were like, "Oh, we're going to we're going to stop trading first round picks." At the deadline, we're not doing that anymore. And they took a quick hiatus from that, and then this year, everybody is back to trading first-round picks. And then you had the uh, today, uh, Thomas Placanic going from uh, Montreal to Toronto. That's another. Those are two teams that did all trade with each other. They made him shave his mustache or his uh, his goatee. Ah, uh, Lula Murillo. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I remember those rules with the Devils. You know, that's one thing you never saw the Devils. You never saw the outrageous playoff beards of the Devils either. Scott Stevens. I mean, he always had like a neat, in the playoffs, he always had that neat goatee. It was everyone, yep. it was never, never got, never got the, uh, never got the uh, Brett Burns. Uh, nope. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had a nice little manicured goatee for sure. You know, what's always interesting about the Devils is when uh, Lamarillo ran them, you know, and they come for the warm-ups. He always made the players always had to wear their helmets during warm-ups. And now you look at the players coming in, uh, half the team doesn't have their helmets. You always look at the road team, they didn't have their helmets on. And now that role changed. As soon as Lamb Roll is gone, also you see Devils with the helmet. Uh, no no Devil was allowed to wear number 13. That was actually something that went back to John McMullen. Wow. And now you got the top, the top for yep. pick wearing 13. Yeah. And also they... Uh... Lou never let them change jerseys, and as soon as he leaves, they they switch up the the jerseys a little bit. Uh, they started doing that near the end of his career. They would wear they? on say Pat on say Patrick's oh, that, right. Day. They would wear the green ones uh, for like special occasions. Yeah, on St. Patrick's Day they'll wear the green one, and they wore that to Winter Classic. And they didn't wear the Devils didn't wear any weird jersey at the Winter Classic or did I say say the Stadium Stadium Series with Yankee Stadium. They wore their throwback red and green uh, Christmas right. trees. Yep. Frank, you were at the game Saturday night? Yes, it was. How were you feeling? Uh, I was frustrated for the first two periods, but uh, then Kyle Palmieri scored twice in the dirt, and they won, so that was good. Mm-hmm. Just Long ceremony. Whole- Long uh. ceremony. <laughs> Did you get I'm emotional sorry. at all? A little bit, but it was uh, surprisingly long. I mean, Brodeur's ceremony didn't last as long as uh, the Patrick Elias' ceremony. And then they brought on that clown, that Lex Luthor-looking son of a bitch, uh, Bill Daly. I mean, I guess it's a guy Batman didn't feel like uh, dealing with it. And then he talks for like 20 minutes. NHL. And everyone's jeering him because they, they hate him. I mean, we didn't need to hear from Bill Daly. Come on, we need to, we need to scale back on the uh, on the ceremonies and the length of ceremonies. The Paul Pierce one, uh, like a month ago, is like an hour and a half long, and it did not need half of it. So I, I they, mean, need to, Patrick, they need to stop. Patrick, Patrick Elias's ceremony literally it began at six and like ended like the, the, the hockey game didn't begin till eight thirty. I was leaving the Prudential Center at eleven. At least, uh, and I and I was there, was, and I was, was there from, and I was there for, I was there from four thirty to eleven. Jesus. 
the day. That's a long. That's a long time to be at. That's a long time to be in a hockey arena. P, were you surprised that Carlson didn't end up getting dealt? Um, yeah, a little bit. I thought that, uh, I thought that the, the senators might panic and, uh, and just pull the trigger on, on whatever they had on the table. Cause there was certainly no shortage of interest, but you know, I don't think that, I, I think that there's, there remains little faith that they can get a deal done with him. Um, I just don't think that they liked what they, what they had in front of them today. Um, so they still have the option of, of doing it this summer. I think it's going to happen in the summer. So, and that's a, that's a franchise that's actually in a little bit of a trouble. Oh, for sure. That, it's a weird situation. Mess. It's getting mess. weirder by the day. I mean, basically, they need an arena built. They need a, and that, they need a, they need a new arena. They need a new owner. They need a new management. They need they need a clean house. I, I mean, yep. it, it's possible that in a few years the Ottawa Senators could be gone again, which yeah. is sad. I mean, if they if they go, it'll be the Quebec Nordiques. But I I, I hate losing the Ottawa Senators. I mean, it's for me. It's better to have a team that's that's well run than a team that's run by Melnick. So yeah, they got to get they got to they got to change everything over there. They, that team they're like the yeah, it's like the New York Islanders. New York Islanders have been so poorly run for the last thirty years. They're making moves though, Belmont. At least well, they got that, some stability there. That should help, and I and they're gonna lose John Severus, I think. I think. I think John Tavares goes signed somewhere. I'd be surprised. I think that he's. I feel like he he should be pot committed to to the Islanders. Uh, they they're headed. They're finally headed for some stability. Uh, I think that it would. I'd be surprised if he left. I mean, I I, I I'm I, I mean, <laughs> that's gonna really destroy them if if he leaves. I mean, that'll really set them back big time. For sure. I mean, they're going to be uh, playing some games at the Nassau Coliseum next year. I wouldn't be surprised me to see them leave Brooklyn altogether and go to Nassau Coliseum for uh, the last two or three years before they go to uh, Belmont. Because the Brooklyn situation is so bad. Brooklyn wants them out as bad as they want to be out of Brooklyn, so... <laughs> it's such either, a bad... Either side is happy there. I mean, you did, they didn't build that... They, didn't, they did not think about putting hockey in that arena. Nope. And it's the the, seat, the sight lines are so poor for hockey, and then you got part of the seats are actually like, if you like, in the upper deck you can't see like one end of the ice, so they had to put like a the video board on. You see, to like watch it on video. <laughs> and the, the and to tell you how weird it is, the scoreboard is off center. You know how most yep. hockey, you know how most arenas, the center, the especially that monstrous scoreboard that's now at the uh, Prudential Center. Uh, it's dead center. Theirs is like over the blue line. Yeah, it's over one of the blue lines. It's hilarious. It looks so awkward. It, 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 I, I mean, it's such, it's such. The problem, and then the problem is that the National Coliseum was such a dump. Frank, I'd say one of the biggest storylines, you know, just dating back even to the first week of the season has been uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, like we've talked about. Um, do you just continue to be surprised by how well they play and the records they're breaking? Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. I know, I thought the Vegas Golden Knights were going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they'd make the playoffs, obviously. I, I thought they'd be one of those teams that were like, Maybe a few points away from 
contention that was like sort of on the outskirts of contention. I mean, the Blackhawks are having a disastrous season. But if the Vegas Golden Knights put up that record that the uh, Blackhawks have right now, everyone in Vegas will still be happy. Is there an expansion team that put up a good record, a competitive record, although the Blackhawks fans are up in arms because after they won three cups and go to conference finals a whole bunch of times, everyone's they're going to probably do something stupid and fire Joel Quenville. If the Blackhawks fire Joel Quenville, it's going to be interesting to see how many days it takes for him to find a job. I, I put Not it long. at five. I put it at five. I, yeah. I mean, like the 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 Knights got a little bit of help with the with the expansion process, uh, but I mean, it still doesn't change the fact that they literally took scraps from every other team and are beating up on on the rest of the league, which is pretty pretty incredible. Um, but I, I thought that it's going to be interesting I in thought, a few years sorry. when they add Seattle. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it should should be interesting to see how. Uh, how that expansion process works for them, and if we see immediate success again. But I mean, like you got to give credit to the to how the the management over there built that team. Oh, um, they're going to win executive of the year. Gallant, absolutely, uh, is is a total lock for the Jack Adams Award. Yep, one hundred percent. I mean, I, I I didn't necessarily love the way that they approached this deadline um, because they had. They had a lot of financial flexibility, uh, and they had assets that they stockpiled from from the expansion draft. They have a ton of picks. Uh, they could have used it to get better. Um, they went out and they got uh, Tatar from Detroit, and I think I mean he's a good player, but uh, they overpaid for him. They give first, a second, and third round draft picks. I thought that was an overpayment. And then you also they they didn't you know they didn't have any money retained, so they're paying him over five million dollars for the next three years. He's not worth that. So. Um, you know, they, they, they overpaid simply because they could, um, which I think is a stupid way to approach it. And also they, they got involved in that deal for Derek Broussard, uh, and basically facilitated him going to the Penguins. They, they, uh, took some of Broussard's money, uh, just for the purpose of getting him to the Penguins. So I think they, they took like 2 million bucks off his salary, uh, just because that they could do that. Um, and the thinking was that if they did that, they'd keep, Broussard out of uh, out of Winnipeg, which helps uh, helps Vegas come playoff time, makes well, the road a little bit easier. They, if they don't have to worry. face Winnipeg. They should worry more about Nashville. Well, I think I mean the the th- the thinking was that if Broussard went to Pittsburgh, no team in the in the Western Conference could could get uh, Broussard, and there were a bunch of teams in on him. Uh, Winnipeg was one of those teams. They were reportedly close. Winnipeg ended up ended up getting a really good player anyway with Paul Stastny. Um, so that kind of came back That's, to bite. That them. trade shocked me. That trade shocked me. Same. I mean, I, I, it was one is shocking just because I, I didn't expect anybody to waive a no movement clause to go to Winnipeg. Um, that that surprised me. Uh, and also the fact that that it surprised me that the Blues would trade Stastny uh, to a division rival uh, in the middle of the season when they're still in the hunt. So yeah, um, that was the, that was surprising. The hunt is a big surprise right there. Right. But I mean, it worked out for them last year when they traded Shattenkirk. Uh, obviously didn't trade in the division, but they traded one of their better players midseason while they were still in the hunt. And then it ended up working out. They got pieces for him and they still made the playoffs. So uh, hopefully, I mean, they're probably hoping that they get the same luck this year. 
Well, the Blues, it's it's Jake Allen. That's the only. I mean, they they gotta hope Jake Allen is out of his mind again, like he was against the uh, Wild last year. I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. So, Frank, if we're calling Vegas uh, a team that has surprised us, surprised us, and surpassed expectations, is there one that's in your eyes been a bigger biggest disappointment? Whether it's the Blackhawks, like you said, or Edmonton. Uh, what people kind of expected them to do. Those are two of the biggest disappointments. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, no, no bigger disappointment in Edmonton. People I was ready talking, for full Connor McDavid takeover. People were talking Edmonton Oilers Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blackhawks, you know, they're one of those teams that look that that just looks like they're out of gas. They need a re- they need a rejuvenation. Yeah, they, I mean. The league That's, is built so that teams don't have periods of sustained, sustained success. And obviously I the mean, Blackhawks have had that. Uh, <laughs> but and then you look at Edmonton. They were just supposed to, supposed to be getting into their period of success. And, you know, they had a great year. Uh, everything was looking, looking up, moving forward, and then immediately reverts back to absolute disaster there, which is kind of hilarious. I mean, it, it, it's been just a bad, bad year all around. Uh, just bad uh, management. Uh, and and uh, Adam Larson. Boy, you want to talk about someone just... I mean, that, that's like that's like going... Uh, I went I went to uh, Sears and all I got was his bag. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the Devils fleeced him for Taylor Hall. 100%. Taylor, Taylor Hall is now also... Is, he he could walk around New Jersey and not have to buy a, a slice of pizza now. I mean, Taylor Hall Taylor Hall is the man. Twenty one straight games at a point. I mean, he, I, I don't think I don't think he will win the the Hart Trophy, but I'd love to see him at least be a one of the finalists. It is kind of funny because they traded Taylor Hall, uh, and he was in Edmonton for so long, never saw any success in terms of team success there. Uh, they were such a bad team when he was around. They trade him. Uh, they immediately, you know, start turning it around. They make the playoffs. Everything's looking up in Edmonton. Meanwhile, New Jersey stinks. Uh, they get they get the top overall pick. And then a year later, it all flips on its head. It, Taylor Hall is looking at the situation saying, boy, am I glad I'm here rather than there. So I mean, the uh, Devils, it's really Devils got a lot of young, exciting talent. I mean, besides sure. Nico Heashier. I mean, Nico Heashier, I, I mean, he's going to be a, a called a finalist. Could win it. I mean, he's had some good weeks. He was player of the week a couple of weeks ago. He's someone that needs to get a little more meat on his bone and maybe get a little bigger. And I think he'll actually be a really good superstar. But the surprises is Will Butcher. I mean, he's had a great year. Jesper Bratt. I mean, they mm-hmm. they have three rookies who have absolutely just like rocked the world this year. Yeah, they've hit on a bunch of guys, which is you know good for them. No, I don't think anybody saw that. That I mean, everybody gives uh, attention to the Golden Knights for being the huge surprise. And uh, I mean, obviously that that's for good reason. But I think that the Devils kind of get overlooked as and- nobody expected them to be here. At the beginning of the season, I uh, went to my bookie, AG, where if you put some money down, uh, if you put it there, you get a discount. If you use tank as a code, you get a referral discount. So I used the code tank, 
You get some uh, did that nice little discount, 25%. Did, what is it? What is the discount? It's a 50% sign-up bonus, Frank. 50% sign-up bonus if you go use the code TANK. And I went on my bookie at the beginning of the season, and they had the over-unders. And I put money on the over for the Devils, and they're two points away. There you go. Going to get it. Going to hit it. They're two points away. From the the over was seventy four, over under was seventy four, and they're at seventy two points right now. Pete, we can uh, we can bring it to a close on this last question here. Uh, Frank mentioned earlier that he considers Tampa the odds-on favorite to win the cup. Outside of them, is there and maybe outside the Bruins, let's say, is there a team right now that you're keeping your eyes on as one that you like to make a run come April and May? Um, I mean, Tampa, I think is, is the odds on favorite right now. Uh, I I still really like Nashville. Yeah. I I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't count out Pittsburgh for sure, especially with the Broussard signing. I mean, I think I've said it a bunch of times in the past, but I mean, one of the most valuable things that you can get at the deadline, uh, if you're a good team is getting depth on the third line and to have Derek Broussard on your third line, uh, is a huge, huge piece for them. Um, I'm interested to see how the defense holds together there, though. Um, and so, I mean, Pittsburgh, I think it looks really good on paper in terms of their depth. So does Winnipeg. Um, that's not a, a team that I think is going to get a lot of play from casual fans. But Winnipeg has a lot of firepower. And now they have depth uh, with staff uh, third line. So, And you know what's helped uh, Winnipeg is? The year that Connor Hellebuck has had, yeah, finally I mean, turn it around, yeah. I mean, I mean, Connor Hellebuck, no one, no one ever given him a double, a double glance over. But right now, right. He, he's got to be someone that's got to be up there for the Vezina. Absolutely, and I think uh, so that those uh, those two are kind of ones to keep an eye on. Uh, but I think the favorite out of the West should be uh, should be Nashville. Yeah, I agree. And I love what you call as a player. I love P.K. Subban. Absolutely. He's one of my favorite guys in the league. I mean, it, I mean, if, if I could pick any defenseman in the league, I want P.K. Subban on my team. Sort of a hot take, but I, I mean, I, I won't argue with it for sure. I mean, he's, he's unbelievable. He's won a Norris trophy already, so. I know. He's got that in his resume, and he's fast, exciting, and he's a good hard hitter. Best personality in the league by far, um, by a mile. He truly is. He really is a special player. And I don't – what the hell was Montreal thinking trading him? What the hell? I want to talk about a franchise that's also in disarray at the moment, Montreal. We're talking about blowing it up at the deadline. They didn't do anything, so. Uh, well, they, got, they traded Peconic to the uh, – to the uh, Maple Leafs. I mean, Max Patch already. I mean, that the captain wants out. Not, <laughs> not usually a good sign. And this is the Montreal Canadiens. This is the New York Yankees guys. And they haven't won a they haven't won a cup now in twenty five years. They got the they got probably the best goalie in hockey, but no offense, no offense whatsoever. And their defense is suspect, <laughs> especially with Shea Weber out for the whole year. I mean. The Canadians, you, the Canadians' uh, offense is so bad. 
<laughs> a few years ago, the, the big debate in Montreal was who should be the captain, and it was uh, it was a two man race between PK Subban and uh, and Max Pacioretty. And now Subban's they gone, and Pacioretty poorly. wants out. So they have chosen poorly. Yeah, PK Subban, and you know I, I you know I don't want to say it, but it's a little suspect that they didn't choose PK Subban, and then they trade PK Subban. I mean. Come on, there's, you got to wonder if there's not something going on there at Montreal, if there's other factors of why they didn't make P.K. Subban their captain. Pete, we want to thank you for coming on. Do you want to let people know where they can find you, whether it's your work you do at CBS Sports or the work you do with DJ Bean on Brunch? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, all my writing stuff is is on uh, cbssports.com. Uh Obviously, that's sports. I do a little bit of writing on listenerbrunch.com, um, but that's where my podcast is, pop culture. Um, so that's that's basically it. And on Twitter, Pete Blackburn. Yep. Um, Thanks yeah. for coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, yeah, we enjoyed it. So hopefully the Bruins can keep this up. And I was saying, I was talking to some of my roommates the other day between the Bruins and Celtics possibly making some deep playoff runs. Plus, with the Red Sox starting, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good spring for sports in Boston. You know it. All right, thanks again. Have a great one. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot, Pete. See you later. The Celtics have a much better chance than the Bruins. Um. I would say, I would say the Celtics are locked to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, whereas yeah, the Bruins that that would be a pretty huge success if they made it there. Dude, I'll be surprised if the Bruins make it past the second round. Yeah, anything can happen in hockey, though. I feel like basketball, like no That's one's, the one sport, no one's being yeah. the Warriors. And we, I mean, I mean, uh, the way the uh, playoff setup is, and, and they're gonna have a tough draw with the uh, Maple Leafs if the season ends today. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. Uh, that's how it'll be. It'll be two, three in the Atlantic Division, and now it's a tough draw. The Bruins, uh, Maple Leafs, especially Maple Leafs, they got a little bit better. They got the young, exciting talent of uh, Austin Matthews. They played the Capitals tough last year as an eight seed, and then if you get past the uh, Maple Leafs, then you got the Tampa Bay Lightning sitting there. I know there's a million problems with the NBA, but I would say. So let's say let's assume the two conference finals are Warriors Rockets and then Celtics Cavs. I'm more interested in both those series than I would be in seeing Warriors Cavs again. Oh. The Warriors Rockets. That's that Warriors could Rockets could be super exciting. Especially, Rockets could beat them, especially if Houston steals one early. And then I Celtics think, Cavs. I think, the, I think the Houston Rockets have definitely closed the gap hmm. on the, uh, the Warriors. The only thing is. Chris Paul doesn't have a good playoff history, and he's got to erase that that stink. Yeah, he's never been to the conference finals either. James no. James Harden's taken it to another level this year, though. He looks James, he's unstoppable. Unless something happens over the last six weeks, unless yeah. someone has like a special run over the last six weeks, James Harden is going to be your NBA MVP. Mm-hmm. He should have been. Maybe should have been last year. People got and uh, nah. People are all worked up about the nice round numbers of the triple double, but I don't know. You have the advanced stats show that James Harden was the true MVP. <sighs> the Pythagorean theorem showed that James Harden was your MVP last year as well. You average triple double, you should get the MVP. Agreed. Frank, what do you think about the idea of reshuffling the NBA playoff seating? 
It's going to happen. No. Cody, NHL, the NHL used to do that. How did it work back Years then? ago. Not well. There you go. Uh, I, I like the Eastern Conference, Western Conference thing. The thing I actually like that uh, Adam Silver suggested is adding a playoff round. We're 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Or no, 7, 8, were, 9, 10. It's 7, seven versus 7, 10. 7, yeah. So you'll have 7 versus 10, 8 versus 9 for play on games. I love that idea. Yeah, I think Silver is, I think we can all agree that he's the best commissioner in sports right now. And he'll, he'll make a move to, uh, you know, to be progressive. And I, I I just don't see, I don't see that though working though. The the one versus six, that's a lot of travel. Yeah. Travel would be way too tough. If you're going East to West coast and then you got to do it again the next round. Yeah. That's a lot of travel. And that's why it didn't work in the NHL. But the NHL used to reseed. Uh, they did that like late. They did that in the late seventies up to like nineteen eighty. Frank, some quick baseball thoughts before we go. Noah Syndergaard looked pretty good with his shirt off today. He looked pretty good with his shirt on. It's one hundred miles per hour. Yeah, yeah. I think his first pitch of the season was was a the first pitch of the spring was hundred miles an hour. And yeah, then... last year his first pitch. On opening day was the fastest opening day pitch ever recorded, but I didn't see it. Thank God you didn't. We might not be sitting here if you did. True. The Mets. Uh, so I know you got a few like day to day injuries. Um, the, really, the only one that is of concern would be Bruce, but I think he's going to be fine. So, so all in all, I'd say Mets spring off to a strong start. You know, yeah, the plantar fasciitis. That's something that's you just deal with. Yeah. If you were, if it was a regular season game, he wouldn't even be on it. He'd, yeah, yeah, he'd be out there playing. But the um, others, like Tebow, Lagaris, like whatever, like that's that's gonna happen. That's that's Ligar- not a Lagaris is is a backup. I I, I like uh, Brandon Nimmo out there until uh, Michael yeah. Conforto comes back. And oh, Dom Conforto. Smith. Dom Smith blows. Dom Smith does blow. <laughs> Dom, Dom Smith blows. Dom, Dom Smith's gonna be in Las Vegas, and he better. Uh, wake up and smell the coffee. That's why they signed uh, Agent Gonzalez. And Agent Gonzalez, watch, he's going to be in a platoon. You're going to see a lot of Wilmer uh, Flores at first base. Against left-handed pitching? Yep. And, of course, you know the most serious injury. Although he miraculously healed. The ankle actually broke. But then uh, you heard a voice and it said, my son, rise and walk. And since he was magically able to walk again, <laughs> did you did you catch any? Uh, so Tani debuted as a pitcher on Saturday, and then today as a hitter. Does does that interest you at all? Or are you just well, I was focusing on the NHL trade deadline. Uh, the only thing I've been focusing on baseball is the Mets. Yeah. Okay. And and, I, and I and I glanced over at uh, Giancarlo Stanton in the Yankee uniform. That's about it. Oh I my mean, god. <sighs> ESPN like cuts their live programming to show Giancarlo Stanton taking batting practice in a Yankee uniform. <laughs> ESPN, ESPN, come watch ESPN baseball, Major League Baseball. It's the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, and twenty-eight other teams crying for the baseball championship. 
watch the Yankees and Red Sox all summer long on ESPN. And maybe we'll throw in some Cubs and Dodgers too. <laughs> people people need to settle down with the Yankees a bit. And I, I know I'm a, a Red Sox fan, as you know, but 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 it's getting it's getting a bit far. The Yankees are the favorites, but it's it's not by that much, I don't think. You know, dude, I and I I have my doubts about Aaron Boone. Oh, he wasn't he wasn't not only was he in the broadcast booth last year, but he wasn't planning to come out of the broadcast booth until Girardi got fired and they wanted to interview him. He's never coached or managed. Exactly. I don't like that. I don't nope. like that. Whereas Cora was like being groomed for this last year. Alex Cora, I would like to see the Mets hire him. Yeah. Although I do think the Mets got a good one too. Mickey Calloway, I well, I that's me that means to be seen. He's definitely a character. The other thing about about Stanton is that before last year, obviously he was he was unreal last year. Fifty nine homers. All I, I mean, I mean, the best thing about the Mets is they went from having uh, Dan Worfton on the on the benches pitching coach, looking like uh, looking like he's about to keel over, and uh, Terry Collins thinking about his garden. To uh, Mickey Calloway, who was actively involved in looking at what pitchers do, and Dave Island. I mean, hey, do, do the Mets open at home or on the road this year? Open at home against St. Louis. Ah, I'm jealous of that. I know it's always it's always risky with uh, with the cold weather cities, but but there's something about like getting that first game of the year and having it be at home that I really enjoy. Uh, I remember 20 years ago, the first opening day I went to was 1998. Mm-hmm. It was May March thirty first, and it was like eighty degrees. Oh my god, that's perfect! Oh yeah, we and talked it, about this last week. And it was a fifteen. It was a fifth classic game, fifteen innings, no score, and then the yeah, Mets won on a walk off hit by Alberto Castillo, the Alberto Castillo, and oh, uh, which McCall actually pitched. I think he actually went nine innings in the game. Kurt Schilling, two hitters. Wow. Uh, all right, so that'll do it for allowing me to be Frank today. I won't be able to give a better ad read than Frank gave earlier for my bookie, but go to mybookie.ag, promo code tank, 50% sign up bonus. And I'm going to cash in on that devil's over under. There you go. Tick tock, tick tock, we're overdue. But if you're going to crack my heart, do it in two. Give me a show, oh, 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 still let you know, oh, 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 from me, you're getting pushed out of my 